That's how it starts. The fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. Welcome, I'm Andrew Dice. And I am Stephen Colbert. And this is Batman v Superman by the Minute, a minute-by-minute breakdown of Batman v Superman, as the name might suggest. We have reached minute... Well, we've we've covered minute 49 of the movie. We now arrive at minute 50. Bruce has been politely waiting in the server room in Lex Luthor's basement. I guess the counter has now gone down from seven minutes many, many times, regardless <laughs> of when you're listening to this. Well, the first thing he says in this in this minute, right, is I can't stay here. With that, what will this minute hold? What will Bruce Wayne do? Let's find out together. Books are knowledge, and knowledge is power. And I am <laughs> no, I, um, no. What am I? I what was I saying? No. The bittersweet pain among men is having knowledge with no power, because because that is paradoxical. And um, <laughs> thank you for coming. The first, I think the first line in this is we cross the minute mark is, I like those shoes. How dare people say this movie is not funny? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know if we, we kind of talked about how Bruce is out of practice. I don't know if that like kind of limp delivery of it as she's walking away is like, boy, he used to be better at this. You know, like that, that glimpse of the, the billionaire playboy Bruce Wayne. Yeah. That I know that you say this to women, but this is I'm rusty on this. And <laughs> or if he's trying to sell himself as a little bit tipsy, yeah, as he was before. Well, and then once again, the fact that like it's not the greatest performance, but it he passes with flying colors because literally she wants him to pass. Totally. And so it it's just it's it gets funnier the more you kind of break down the layers of like knowing what's going on here. I'm going to call them like Affleck moments of the movie where she walks away and we're locked on his face and we get to see that veneer drop. Then we also get immediately, I think this is where Alfred instantly says, you know, go out and mill around the party. Some young lady from Metropolis will make you honest in your dreams, Alfred. Another huge laugh line, I think, that is just more of the Alfred that we love. Yeah, exactly. Well, and at this point, I kind of feel like I want to keep a like – ledger of like what percentage of alfred's lines are a like a little dig at bruce needing to like find a lady mm -hmm. i mean we, we said it before it's it's like an approach to alfred's sense of humor that i think we both really <laughs> dig yeah <laughs> he's nesting and bruce is not cooperating we we i guess we jump ahead of bruce heading back into the party to get to another uh, the, the part of this minute that i think stands out uh, makes up most of the rest of the minute is how Lex's speech ends. <laughs> how, it, how it begins is one thing. How it ends is um, very, very telling. It's, it's funny watching with subtitles because it makes me pay more attention to the dialogue. His line is literally, books are knowledge and knowledge is power and I am no. <laughs> like <laughs> any, any way your brain follows that or, or completes that sentence – um, mm -hmm. that's obviously more Terrio. And I think another, a case where Jesse Eisenberg, this is just like dialogue written perfectly for him to deliver. I, I have never, sometimes I'm, I'm disappointed when I find out actors don't watch their own movies. Like I get it. I'm it's, 
but you kind of wish that like, oh, I wish you could enjoy this. Like bec- the fact that you were in this is precluding you from, from enjoying it. But I don't think I've ever been more happy that like, um, Jesse Eisenberg doesn't watch his own movies or he's like not on social media at all. Cause you hit, listen to him talk about that is he loves this script and he loved this character and he is entirely unplugged from a- anything beyond that. <laughs> Like he he just gets to have that and enjoy that, and people ask him about it, and he's like unaware of like the the drama or anything about the. I, I think am he not knows that, that people. Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he knows that like people don't. Um, I, I think he knows that it was a little bit divisive, but like, I I just love the fact that like in his own head he just gets to love the script and having portrayed the character and just kind of leave it at that. Yeah, we're we're instantly, you know, reminded that this is a guy who. Despite how he opened the speech, seeming very confident and very, you know, like charming for a billionaire tech guy, you know, like compare this to a Mark Zuckerberg mm-hmm. um, or or his version of him, you know, yeah. he's a very, he seems like a, a tech billionaire who's kind of on the less professional side. And then we come back to this and it is, oh no, right. This is all, you know, this is the Lex that was in the room with June now. This is him fumbling with how he is presenting himself and it is like freaking him out yeah but but for himself right like you said he doesn't care about the people looking at him Mm -hmm. which is which is very i mean i think the the speech continues on he fumbles through and then arrives at the you know the the bittersweet pain among men is to have knowledge but no power uh because it's paradoxical you kind of said before like it's it's a misquote yeah this line this line always fascinates me because it's interesting on its face but I think my favorite thing about Chris Terrio is that the, the quote is a reference, but it's wrong, but it's intentionally wrong. And but unless you know that you like, I don't know, there's, it, it adds it adds a depth there on the fact that like it's like, oh, of course, Lex would misquote that. For those curious, it is a quote from Herodotus, who is, a you know, an, an ancient Greek, one of like the two principal sources of Greek history, his accounting of it. Uh, most of the events of 300, you know, while we're in Zack Snyderland, come from Herodotus's writings, you know, shortly after the events. And his, he says the line, and I, I promise to give you context for this. It is a story, I think it is set before the Battle of Plataea, which is at the end of 300, not the beginning. That is the, the battle that is coming between Persia and, and Greece. And it is Persians are eating with the Greeks before the battle. Don't ask. It's a whole thing. <laughs> and one of the Persians says that you see all of the people, you know, with me, this this host of soldiers from Persia. Tomorrow, only some of them will be alive. He says, you know, that the the bitterest pain among men is to have knowledge and no power. And in, in that in that context is to know what is going to happen and be powerless to change it. Yeah. Which which is even funnier that Lex it implies like where does he see himself in that story because I think us knowing Superman knows that he's on the other side like he's the guy trying to change what he can't and so then when and now i always see it when he says it's paradoxical it's like he's arguing with herodotus that herodotus is wrong (laughs) yeah which makes it so satisfying because that is like oh he is literally in his mind i think it drives home for me the fact that he is not at war with superman like his fight is at war with 
massive questions that he cannot answer based on books or wisdom <laughs> or however much he learns. It's just, no, God. you yeah. <laughs> You, the problem is where you are in the equation, man. It's not where everyone else happens to be. He's trying to make sense out of, I think he, he lacks human intelligence. Yeah. And I think the, that kind of informs his character. You could say the world only makes sense if he forces it to. It's the end of the episode. I'm just going to cut it right there. <laughs> <laughs> just, oh no, I'll, I'll have you say the world only makes, and then just bitter, bitter, bitter. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, you nailed it. I mean, not that nobody else in the movie like gets what, where they're going with it, but sometimes you get roles like this where you feel like the person is just kind of, um, I'm being crazy. Yeah. They're, they're reciting it per your Jason Patrick in the losers instead of Patrick Wilson in the A team. <laughs> sure. For, for like 20 people listening to that, they'll be like, <laughs> absolutely. Yes. Yeah. A hundred percent. And there goes our audience. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, like to your point, he, he sells it so well as Lex that like Lex comes across as a guy who is – he fancies himself one of and is arguing with like mankind's greatest thinkers. Yeah. Well, like everyone else in the library is just like, what are you yeah. doing? Like – Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's – okay, great. That was <laughs> – we just witnessed something there. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it, it – he was born 2,000 years too late. Like maybe that explains why he sees things the way he does and why he is, he's bringing up the examples that he does is – Well, you say, you say he was born 2,000 years too late, but, but I think there's also – there's a lot of a, an Ozymandias kind of complex because he's born 2,000 years too late. But I think the way he talks about his father, I think, implies he thinks he was, he was born too early or, hmm. or in a time and place where, where he is like held back – by yeah. uh, like imagine where he could be if he didn't have to overcome the hardship of his father well if he, if he's a I, like if he's a mortal who is struggling to like even intellectually struggling to understand the divine or like force it to make sense then uh it would make sense why he hates someone like superman uh yeah that is where we conclude with him delivering that line at which point our best example for, for this episode, is it too subtle or not subtle enough? Cue the band singing Night and Day. <laughs> well, let the listeners determine which side of that night day they land on. I think the last thing we actually hear in this minute is just Clark calling out Mr. Wayne. The, the other funny thing about this whole thing is remembering that like Lex is up there doing this on the stage. This whole thing is a puppet show for him also. This entire scenario, he made sure that... Bruce and Clark were there so that Bruce could go down there. And so he knows that as he's giving this speech. So he truly sees himself as like orchestrating this thing. So like the fact that day and night is the song and later on in the movie, he says day versus night. Like you, you know that he requested them to play that for his own <laughs> kind of like, he's like chuckling to himself like that. They don't even know. And then yeah. he, and the next minute we've got more of that where he's like, thinks he's so clever having Batman and Superman in the same room. We are we are entering this scene also, I think, with the beginning of the first shot to have all of our major players in one shot together. Yeah. Uh, we're following Bruce in as he watches Diana, and then Clark is mere moments from bursting in, and finally, our Batman and our Superman coming face to face. That will be minute 51. I am a Twitter with anticipation. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that minute, I might not have a whole lot to say because I end up just kind of listening to it. So that will be a challenge. But yeah, we're, we are officially at the last minute of the movie before our principals have all started talking to each other. I don't think they're about to change permanently. Yeah, you could say, you could say it was never easy. Does he say easy or simple? When? To his mom. I just wanted to be, and she says, oh, honey, it was never. Damn I it. I don't even remember. It's paradoxical. <laughs> Mr. Wayne! Clark Kent, Daily Planet. 